Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broncos for a second straight week, maybe for like a seventh straight year, unfortunately. But is this different? Is this year different? Um, yeah, I think it feels different because we actually feel like we could win games. Last year, it got to a point where we just knew if we got down by even three points, like it wasn't even a chance. Um, and then even last last night, I mean, we had a chance to tie up the game, go into overtime, and maybe make something happen. I think the DB was there a little bit early. So it does feel a little different, but it's just as frustrating. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's maybe more frustrating. Uh-huh. I agree, Todd. And uh, a thing why this is different this year is because not only did the Broncos have opportunities to win both those games, they're up 18 yesterday. Yeah. So they definitely had an opportunity to win. And then they only lost by one to the Raiders the week before. So they are in these games. And another reason why it's different, they're losing these games in completely different ways. Yep. I mean, mm-hmm. 17 to 16 loss at home. And then 35 to 33 loss. It's like when the defense, I know the defense wasn't great in week one, and we're going to get into this, but when the defense holds a team to 17 points, the offense only puts up 16. That's frustrating. But then it's even more frustrating when you compound it that the offense puts up 33 points or 21 points in the first, what, 20 minutes of the game? And then they still lose because they give up 35 points. It's so frustrating. And Henry, we haven't talked to you yet since the game. Initial thoughts. How you feeling? Uh, well, I mean, not great. Um, you know, I wrote this last night, but for the last, like, two, three years, what every Broncos fan was saying was, you know, I'd at least entertain me. Like, this is bad, and it's boring, and I don't want to see it. At least entertain me. And so, congrats. You got the entertaining game last night, and it doesn't feel any better. Like, the problem isn't how you play. It's just whether you win or whether you lose. Yeah. And that's now you've just lost in a different way. Guess what? probably feels worse than it felt before man i gotta disagree a little bit really there because i don't think this blowing a 21-3 lead that's ha- terrible ha- it was absolutely terrible <laughs> i just don't think it was necessarily an entertaining game um i think for the oh. first 20 minutes of the game it was extremely entertaining especially if you're a broncos fan up 21 to 3 three straight touchdown drives and then sam howell and the, and the commander's offense isn't able to do anything that was very entertaining but then the game completely fell off for the Broncos and was bad and as boring as can be mm-hmm. for the next 25 minutes you think so? of football. The Broncos did absolutely nothing on offense and on defense, they did absolutely nothing in terms of stopping the commanders. And then it was only entertaining again for like the last five minutes of the game. And I think fans actually showed that by that fi- the second to last drive when there's seven minutes left and the Broncos are driving down 11 so it doesn't look probable but it's not like they're down three scores with seven Uh minutes left there's still a chance half the stadium was gone yeah and i think that was the fans Mm -hmm. saying no this is bad boring i hate it 
Yeah. I totally disagree. <laughs> I mean, that game was chaos. Like, they had a 95% chance to win from the FPI. 11 minutes later, they're supposed to lose. That goes all the way to, like, 99% the other way. 99% something crazy. Then you hit the Hail Mary right to send Hail it Mary, all the way back. You lose on the controversial two-point conversion. Like, that is incredibly entertaining. Like, Mike, I, I don't know. We just don't see eye-to-eye on that one. It was, like, I, I, feel, I feel like I may agree with Zach on this one. It was entertaining okay. to start. Um, and then it felt like our controller died. Like we were playing batting, our controller died for like <laughs> yeah. two and a half quarters. In the last mm-hmm. second, we plugged it back in, made it a miraculous play. But really, it felt like there was no way we were going to win that game. Down 11 points with seven minutes left. It felt like the game was over. So mm-hmm. at the end, it was entertaining, but I don't say the whole game through I didn't feel like it was like a good game. That's really similar to what Mike McGlinchey said after the game when he said, yeah, we just kind of stalled out there in the second quarter, and it just took us way too long to get back on track. Like, the we just kept screwing up with the changes, or somebody had missed an assignment, or there'd be a penalty, and you just, when you stall out, that's fine. It happens. Like, teams don't always play their best. Next drive, you got to bounce right back. Just kind of lined up with the controller dying. Yeah. This is so discouraging to me, just how the offense died after these first three drives, because first three drives... Three touchdowns. Phenomenal. I mean, yeah. it had been yeah. a long time since the Broncos had back-to-back games where they scored on their opening drive. They did it. So it's like, okay, we're seeing flashes. We're, and then we see more than flashes. Three straight drives with the touchdown, big plays left yeah. and right. Mm-hmm. We're seeing Jaleel McLaughlin take a sweep to the, to the house for five yards. It's like, man, everything's working no matter who it is. And then after that, the Broncos' next six drives were beyond disastrous. They had 46 total yards Mm. in these six drives. A fumble, an interception, three punts, and one field goal. Six drives, one field goal, especially coming off three state touchdown drives, and four first downs. That spanned two quarters. And that's Mm -hmm. why, Henry, there certainly were entertaining moments of this game. But for two full quarters, you are just non-existent Mm -hmm. on the offensive side of the ball. So on one hand... There's definitely been encouraging things, specifically with the offense through the first two weeks. The offense was um, one of the most efficient when you boil it down to, to points per possession in that first game. They were the most one of the most efficient in the NFL, although only scoring 16 points, you don't take it. But there's encouraging signs there. Yeah, Not many encouraging signs with the offense over the past many years, so you'll take it. Yep. And then yesterday, 21 points in the first 20 minutes. Oh my gosh, as encouraging as can be. And then if you really want to be encouraged you can say oh they put up 33 points you know nine of those really happen in garbage time at least that hell mary is in garbage time but still i mean that's not garbage time the they hell, had, they the had a chance to send it to overtime mary no that's not garbage time at all oh, the game's I, on the line you have a 50 50 chance of winning the game after that like I, that's yeah, not garbage it was, time it was luck I feel like that <laughs> it was, was definitely luck, luck. Sure. yeah yeah. Uh, yeah it's not garbage time though because the game's still relevant so you yeah, think those 33 points were legit what three points? 33 points oh, that the 33? Broncos scored. Do you think those were legit 33 points? They're on the scoreboard. Like, there's no other way to talk about legit points, I don't think. Like, if you score 33, you score 33. It's okay. pretty straightforward. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think the offense played to a 33-point performance yesterday. I th- yeah, they did. I think I th- they played they a 33-point performance. It just was such a lull in the middle of it because yeah. coming out to that fast start like you're talking about with three touchdowns and 21 points before the second quarter is even over like that is going to lead to a 33 point game so i think they did enough to be able to win the game and score 33 points my problem is and what i'm seeing is the offense looks great for the scripted 15 plays mm-hmm. like the plays that everybody mm-hmm. knows that we're about to run true russ has seen it 10 times before he even takes a snap the offensive line has seen it the running backs have seen it. Everybody's prepared for those 15 plays, and it looks really crisp. Mm-hmm. But as they move away from those plays and start calling the offense as a whole, it seems like things start to shut down. Mm. Like, people don't know their assignment as well. The O-line isn't blocking as crisply. Russ isn't making the right reads as fast. They're, I think they're going into this kind of mode where they're unsure as instead of being super sure about the 15 plays that they know that they're going to get to start the game. Spot on. 100% spot on, Todd. And you can look just by touchdowns and opening drives on both of those games where it's scripted. And then you can look as the game unfolds 
And I asked Sean, Sean pointed to the lack of communication on offense and how it was messy. Um, and so I asked about it specifically for that second to last drive where they started with seven minutes and then they don't kick a field goal until after the two minute warning. Uh -huh. And they were moving so slow and uh, you have to take a timeout. Guys are coming in and off the field slowly. They're huddling up when you really need no huddle. Yep. And I asked him about that communication, what was going on. He said, oh, it wasn't just that drive. It was throughout the entire game. And we saw it over and over again. Like they're calling the timeouts, like receivers are lining up and there's like looking around, trying mm -hmm. to figure out what's going on. Like it was pretty obvious too. And when did that happen? Right after about the nine minute mark yep. in the second quarter when yep. those 15 plays, when the scripted part is done and you're not gonna be able to script 65 plays of a game. Exactly. So once everyone, everything they practice in the week, once that goes away and people don't know what's happening, it's not just Russ not knowing what's happening. It's not just um, Sean having some communication issues with Russ getting the plays in. It's people don't know who's supposed to be on the field. I mean, mm -hmm. the Broncos had to burn a timeout uh, many times in the first half. I don't mind that, but Sean after the game said, we burned way too many timeouts in the first half having to deal with this stuff. Um, so the question is, how do you fix that? How big of a deal is that when you're great, when it's scripted, and things seem chaotic when it's not? I think it's a pretty big deal. Um, and, you know, Sean talked about even needing, needing wristbands. And I thought that that was like kind of like mm -hmm. a big uh, slap in the face saying, like, we can't communicate well enough even to run some good plays. Like, you have a 12-year veteran quarterback. He should be able to operate things without needing a wristband. Um, yeah, but it shows that he's not comfortable. And I've heard different things about his time in Seattle, about um, who was calling plays, who would bring plays in, whether it was a fullback or different guys to assist him. He's obviously not comfortable calling these long plays, unscripted, trying to figure it out. And I think if they have to go to wristbands, then that's what they have to do. But um, you can't have situations where everybody's scrambling, they don't know. Even if Russ was to call the wrong play, as long as everybody ran the wrong play right, I think we would be happy with the result because if we're all wrong, we're all right. Yeah, and last year, you mentioned in Seattle, there were certainly rumblings, and, and maybe you've even heard even more than the rumblings just about that. That was a question that we all kind of heard before he was in Seattle or mm -hmm. when he came over. Mm -hmm. But then last year, this issue was absolutely here. In fact, week two, the exact same week mm -hmm. as yesterday's game, the play clock. The fans had to count down the play clock yep. because they weren't able to get the plays in, because they weren't able to get the line scrimmage in time, because maybe the plays weren't getting in. We all looked at Nathaniel Hackett. Yep, and sure did. I think maybe rightfully so. I mean, we were all convinced it was Nathaniel Hackett not getting the play in. But now it's happening with a different head coach, one that's supposed to absolutely know his stuff, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, now you kind of got to ask the question, Okay, was it on Nathaniel Hackett? Mm -hmm. Or maybe is it how much is on Russ now? I certainly think there's some on Russ. And uh, is Sean going to be able to change and change to Russ and, and alter to Russ? And I think we got a sign that that might happen. And let's break that down after I tell you about our friends over at Game Time. Use the promo code DNVR to get $20 off your first purchase over at Game Time. Broncos are on the road the next two weeks. Next time they come home. Nathaniel Hackett and the Jets are in town. I know Broncos fans are going to want to be at that game mm -hmm. because regardless of what the Broncos record is, that's going to be fun. If Henry, it may be not an entertaining football game in terms of the football. <laughs> it's going to be an entertaining game because counting down the play clock, that could be happening at this game. You're going to want to make sure to go over to game time. If you're traveling out to Miami to see the Broncos Dolphins, if you're going to Chicago to see the Broncos Bears, use that promo code DNVR to get $20 off your first purchase over at game time. And uh, also go get yourself a drink from Spirit Hound. Uh, they make all sorts of stuff right here in Lyons, Colorado. Um, they've got award-winning whiskey. They actually won the 2022 Whiskey of the Year Award at the London Spirits Competition. Um, and they've got the finest ingredients available for all of their whiskey, their gin, their vodka. They bring it in from all across the state. Uh, and actually, you can bring some in. If you bring in some juniper berries to their distillery in Lyons, then you'll get a free cocktail. Uh, Spirit Hound is available in 40 different states. Um, there's a new tasting room in the Highlands that uh, we actually went out there about a month or so ago. It's a really cool place. I definitely recommend that. Um, and like I said, they're available in 40 plus states. You can order online um, or you can just pick up their whiskey, vodka, and gin at stores across Colorado. Um, head on over to spirithounds.com for availability and details on how and where to buy. Not an ideal start for the Broncos. 0-2, um, but 
As always, you guys are the best. The tailgate was popping yesterday, popping after week one. Got to give some shout outs to John, Eric, Brendan, Vinny. Met so many of you guys yesterday at the tailgate, at the game. Always love seeing you. So shout out to you guys. And shout out to the people tuning in with us right now. Hit us with a thumbs up. It really supports us. We've got so many people watching that haven't hit us with a thumbs up. It helps us out. We really appreciate it. Okay. So we talk about how the Broncos um, might have some communication issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Regardless of who it's on, you just have to change in order to fix that. And Sean has admitted after two weeks, they're already doing that. Mm -hmm. They're already going to change things up to help Russell Wilson, to help the offense so that you don't have these communication issues. Today, Russ said, or I'm sorry, Sean said um, that the Broncos are going to shorten the verbiage on really, mm -hmm. he's talking about both sides of the ball because he, he said that communication wasn't as good on defense either. Mm -hmm. But specifically with the offense, he said, we got to shorten up the verbiage, make it easier to get the play calling, quicker to get to the line. And then he also said, if we need to use a wristband, we will do that. I think that's a good start um, because you can't wait until week 10 to do this mm -hmm. if you're already noticing problems. So I do like that that Sean is doing this right now. Yeah, I do too. I, I wonder if shortening up the verbiage also means shorting, sh changing the plays, making them more vanilla. I mm. think that last week was very vanilla. He did a great job with it. This week, you saw more shots. You saw more plays down the field. You saw more um, deep passing attack to where mm. it's a little bit more tricky as far as getting that play called in. There's more complexities complexities as far as telling the tight end what to do, the wide receivers what to do. They're much longer plays. So maybe it needs to be more of a vanilla offense as well as shorter plays so that he does feel comfortable. Does, does that take away our deep threat passing game? Maybe so, but I think at least it puts together a good, competent offense. Yep. And, you know, we talked about this this spring. Um, there was a great ESPN story a few years ago where they basically went inside the communication between Drew Brees and Sean Payton and how all of that works and the way that they call plays, uh, it goes through like the whole system and all that. But what it boils down to is the, it might be like 12 words is the name of the play. But when Sean tells Drew the first three words, Sean's like, okay, got it, got it. Because he just knows what the rest of that's going to be. Um, but each one of those words means something else. You know, it's like, oh, this guy's running a slant back there. But mm -hmm. in general, he's running a slant on the backside. So you don't necessarily have to say it. Um, the key is, and this is what we were talking about, is how much of this do you put on Russ and how much do you put on the rest of the team? Because if you tell Russ, just read like these seven, eight words, and that explains like that is the name of the play. There's no other play that could be confused with. It just doesn't give Brandon Johnson all the details like you're not telling brandon johnson he's running a slant on the back backside he just needs to know that because mm -hmm. that's what always happens on that play and so you know when he says shortening the play calls who knows how much you take out and maybe it's taking protections away a little bit you trust the offensive line to know maybe it's who knows what it's going to be but that must be where things are breaking down and if they're going to shorten them then that means they're asking other people to kind of pick up that slack because they don't trust russ to get it all out and speak it clearly it's kind of, and that could be dangerous on its own. Oh, definitely. But, but clearly something needs to change right mm -hmm. now. So I'm encouraged that Sean is taking a step to do this in week two instead of waiting. But I'm really discouraged because how did they not know this? Mm -hmm. they, they had to. This is the most basic mm -hmm. thing. In training camp, um, to my eyes, when they were running the two-minute drill, it looked like everything was going smoothly. But I don't think everything goes smoothly for six weeks of training camp and preseason. And then all of a sudden it just falls apart in week one and week two. There had to be signs of this. And to me, that's why, once again, the biggest reason for the Broncos 0-2 start is coaching specifically mm. with Sean Payton. And, yeah. and to yeah. me, it's just, that is one thing. If you would have told me the Broncos are going to be 0-2 to start the season, I would have said you're a liar. Mm -hmm. if, and then if you would have said it's going to be because of Sean Payton, I would have said no huh. way at all. But once again, not just yesterday, but kind of taking a step back at this entire season, I think Sean Payton has let down this team a lot so far, uh. and he's even one to admit it. Uh, last night in the post-game press conference, uh, he was putting blame on everyone. He went after the quarterback. He went after the defense. He said the offense was slow with communication. The defense played poor. Mm -hmm. Russ has to be sharper getting the call out. He said, we have to be better, and I have to be better. And... Uh, that, to me, I think speaks volumes when he's putting it on himself. 
But to me, for just a second straight week, it's just like, man, Sean's letting this team down. Now, huh. I think the encouraging thing for me, I trust Sean of mm -hmm. literally anyone. If I was putting blame on anyone else, I wouldn't feel as comfortable to say that they could turn it around. I do think Sean is going to turn it around. I don't think Sean is all of a sudden a bad coach. Maybe he needed a couple of games because uh, he missed all of last year. Maybe he needed a couple of games to get it, to get his feet back under him. So I trust Sean turning it around, but I think he's the biggest reason why the Broncos are 0-2. You know, I have to disagree. I think it's execution. Um, I think you can look at the game plan both offensively and defensively and see where there's good plays called and guys mm -hmm. just aren't there to execute. And even with Rush, you talk about how training camp, they should have seen signs maybe of his inability to call plays and get people lined up. Well, practice, 99% of it's scripted. So he's looking at the script yep. before we even go out there and just running the plays. He know what what's the third third play in the third period. Like he knows that before he even steps on the right. field. Same thing with the two minute drill. It's a very condensed formula or set of play calls that they're going to call in two minute drill and it should be the same kind of in the game so if he was executing it didn't seem like there was a lot of big miscommunications in practice practice i feel like we were out there a lot and it seemed pretty crisp so maybe it is a game time pressure situation thing where russ is kind of having trouble with the with the lights on and everybody's you know tired and panicking and he can't seem to get everybody lined up and ready to go um so i think that's once again, execution. Um, you look mm -hmm. at the O-line blocking, you look at seven sacks last week. That's not game plan. That's just you not being able to stay on your block one-on-one -on -one and being able to block somebody up. You see Russ fumbling the ball, trying to press. That's execution. He should have threw that ball away and never been in that position. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the out route that Cortland should have ran or the goal that he did run, that's a miscommunication between him and Russ. None of those are bad play calls. None of that is bad coaching. Mm -hmm. I think that's guys not executing. So then... Can I boil it down to saying that just the talent isn't there? Is that fair? I think we saw some talent, though. Yeah. Yeah. There goes guys made plays. Marvin Mims went crazy. Those running backs look legit. The offensive line looks for real. I mean, every team in the NFL has some players. Yes. It's yeah. not that the Broncos don't have any talent. Yeah. But, I mean, when you say execution. They have more talent than the commanders. I, I think. I just, I just feel like I don't want to say coaching again. We said coaching yeah. last year. Yeah. And we're starting to see signs that maybe it wasn't all Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> like, they couldn't uh -huh. get the plays off last year. They couldn't get it this year. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. We can't just say it was coaching two years in a row, yeah. especially with a Super Bowl winning, longtime head head coach, veteran. Like, I don't want to put it on coaching anymore. I want to see guys execute and step up to the plate. Yeah, I don't have much of an issue with the coaching either at this point. Well, I think, like, it's just the penalties to me. Like, the penalty, obviously, you're leading the league in penalties, or... I no, guess you're leading the league. You are? Yep. Okay, I checked before Sunday Night Football yesterday, so I realized it could have changed. Um, but, yeah, so you're leading the league in penalties. Again, like, oh, is that coaching? Could they coach it out? I think sometimes players are just prone to getting penalties called. Like, this is a team that led the league in penalty yards last year. Like, you thought you'd just show up and that go away. Probably unrealistic. But you go through, I mean, a face mask on Nick Benito, negated a sack, turns a third and 18 into a first and 10. That's a touchdown drive. Winds up being a touchdown drive. Uh, Incum was offsides. That's the free play before halftime where they picked up a 25-yard gain, kicked a field goal as time expired. Um, the pass interference on Pat turned a second and 15 into a first down. They scored a touchdown a couple plays later. Uh, Fabian Moreau negated a third down sack, would have gotten off the field. Instead, they go down the field and score a touchdown. Like, that's 21. That's 24 points that came after pretty important penalties. Two mm -hmm. of those drives might not be over, but they're pretty close. And it's just over and over and over that they're getting called for these penalties. You're not going to win football games. You're especially not going to win close football games like they've played when you're getting called for that many penalties. Yeah, 100%. Last year, penalties were blamed on the coaching staff. Yeah. So that that's uh. just, I, I put, if we want to be consistent in how we look at this, that does go under coaching. And Todd, maybe it's more on players and you would have better insight to me, but penalties are just something where it, from an outsider, it's, uh, head scratching how mm -hmm. it happens especially now two different coaching staff so maybe that kind of shows that maybe it's not all on coaching but this offseason Sean Payton not so slyly kind of just said how they were going to be much better at penalties yep. because of the new coaching staff here yeah. and Sean's pissed about it too when he talked to the media this morning he didn't hold back at all he said we lead the league in penalties where we have the most defensive penalties that has to change um and so to me right now that's just why I'm still putting that under coaching is just because we did it all of last year yep. so that's another reason why I'm just frustrated with the with the coaching and then another thing just when it comes to game plan 
I was asking for more Marvin Mims. I think we all were, especially uh -huh. with explosive plays. And uh, we got less Marvin Mims this week. Crazy enough. He played 17 snaps in week one. He played 16 snaps in week two. And he did as much as he could. Mm -hmm. Two catches on two targets, 113 yards. I just don't know if, if the Broncos, I mean, clearly the big play was crucial in those three touchdown drives, mm -hmm. at least in two of the three touchdown drives. How, when you're struggling in those six, do you not just throw up another deep one to Marvin? He's clearly that guy. He was hot. He was feeling it. I just, I, I'm just scratching my head because Jaleel McLaughlin plays four plays. He has a touchdown. Mm -hmm. Or three plays. He has a touchdown. And his only run now, was it like an incredible 55-yard run? No, it was a five-yard run. But still, he's electric when he has the ball in his hands. And he did everything he could on the one play. How is he only getting one carry yeah. when this offense is just getting crushed? The first two plays, the first two running plays that Javante Williams had, 24 yards. His final 10 carries, 20 yards. At, at what point do you take Javante out? Not for the whole game, but just for a couple of plays and give Jaleel a shot. To me, it's just yeah. like, man, there's thing after thing after thing, specifically with the offense design and, and how you're handling things that I'm just left scratching my head after these first two weeks. I, yeah. I mean, Javante, you got to get him the ball. Like, to me, if I was making a game plan, I probably wouldn't even give the ball to Jaleel so at any point. You would have handed it off to Javante for an 11th time? And um, just 13th. If there was one more, I would have said do it again. And and I, I would be willing to give some to Samaji, too. But he was doing most of his work in the passing game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I don't have issues with them feeding Javante. Like, that's that's honestly where I think the offense should start. And I don't think you can just punt because it's not going well. Man, but just with this defense, we talked about it all week. You're going to have to get on the outside uh -huh. to win True. with this defensive front. And crazy enough, the first half, Broncos were averaging almost six yards per carry, um, specifically those first 20 minutes of the game. The Broncos' offensive line was doing work yeah. against the commander's front seven. It was like, whoa, this Broncos' offensive line is good. Yeah. But then something clicked with the commanders. I don't know if it was Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio getting into those guys, but then they looked like that front four specifically. You couldn't do anything inside. And so to me, once they clamped down, you had to adjust, and I just didn't see it. Yeah, I agree um, with some of the points you're making for sure because Sean said a lot to start the season. He put a lot of expectations out there. He had a lot to say about the previous coaching staff. So we expected this to be much better, and as of right now, it's not. So I totally agree um, with putting some onus on him. I think that it is most on the players, but coaching does play a big part. Like you say, the game plan, um, the first 15, every week, phenomenal. But yeah. I think we haven't made the adjustments we need to in the second half. I think last week we had Russ had 54 yards of total offense in the second half, and this week wasn't much better until the Hail Mary. So our second half offense, our second half, half game plan is not there. Maybe we should script a first 15, and some people do this, a first 15 mm -hmm. for the you know first half, and then they yeah. also do a first 15 for the second half. So, um, And then I don't like that a lot of times coordinators run a first 15, but they leave those plays – in the first 15 like they don't like recycle those plays mm -hmm. to play yeah. like 39 and play 45 yeah. like that's just first 15 plays like we need to see what worked and then mm -hmm. kind of recycle that in somewhere down the line you know to hit marvin mims another yeah. for mm -hmm. another deep ball yeah. or give jalil you know somewhere outside runs i think we can recycle some of those plays so that we can use the ones that hurt them the most again and to me the thing that's probably the most discouraging about all of this is it's far from just all on Sean, all on the coaching staff, all on the offensive side of the ball. You put up 33 points, mm -hmm. you should win every game. The defense has been just as concerning. And so a lot of people are, are blaming the defense as well. And um, I, there, I don't think there's one right answer to this. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of things are to blame when you lose two games at home, you're 0-2 against maybe two of the three easiest teams you're going to play this year, two of the four easiest teams you're going to play this year. And the defense, that first game, they only gave up 17 points. But points per drive, it I think, led the league in week one. And then yesterday, giving up 35 points. Um, it seemed like at times the defense was there. Nick Benito, the pressure. First three drives, you have three sacks. Nick Benito's playing with his hair on fire. Um, but then just as the game goes on, the defense just isn't able to get stops. And Sam Howell, all of a sudden, in the second half and the, the, second, the second quarter... We didn't know he could do it this way yeah. because Sam Howell, this was his first road start 
and he looked all world in this game. Yeah. But again, I mean, that's a scouting report. He likes those tight window throws. He hits a lot of them. He misses a couple. Yesterday, just mostly hit. And that's what happens is like those, both those touchdowns, unbelievable balls, like especially that deeper one. And, and it's just tough to watch because it's between uh, Delary and Turner yell. And you're like, oh, if that's Kareem, he's getting there. Like mm -hmm. he's breaking that one up. And uh, I forget who the cornerback might have been Damari on it that was side. Damari, was it yeah. Damari? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, ah, get, like if that's Justin and Pat, obviously that's not getting caught. But when it's Damari and Delarian, it's like Damari and Kareem gets it done. Kareem and Jaquan gets it done. Just like you so just need you a little bit more juice Are you taking blame there. off the defense? That's what it um, feels like. I'm not taking. I don't think so. I think okay. the reason that they're in a tough spot. Yeah, I think the reason they're 0-2 is just mostly defensive penalties. Like, that's, to me, has been the issue. I think that um, a lot of onus needs to be placed on the defense. Um, they're not playing the brand of Broncos football that we uh, expect them to. And I think you talked about sacks in the early parts of this game. What we gained in pressure on the quarterback, we lost in the run game. Mm -hmm. Our run game looked really bad. I feel like we couldn't tackle well. They were mm -hmm. breaking tackles. Yeah. Robinson was running for days and really making stuff happen. And then when we dialed up a pressure, the screen game came alive. A lot of his passing yep. yards came in the screen game. They were yeah. There were so many screens where it was him and two O-linemen and maybe either Josie Jewell or Alex, Alex Singleton. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, that's not going to work. We can't defend that way. We should know that screens are coming. We didn't. I didn't really see anybody rallying to the ball. And a lot of missed tackles in open field. Yep. Um, yeah, I think it was poor execution. And sometimes it was... Uh, the Broncos defense getting out coached, like on some of those screen calls. Like Eric Bieniemy knew exactly when yeah. to call a screen. He mm -hmm. knew it was going to be an all-out blitz, zero coverage, and he was able to get the ball out. Um, so that was tough. Yeah, the, the defense and they need to step up, man. Man, those screens were killer. Mm -hmm. It was why. I mean, Todd, you said it correct perfectly. I mean, it was just like when he caught the ball, everyone knew yep. this was going to be. A massive play. And Josie, Alex, um, I think they might have both missed open field tackles, but when it's you and uh, two blockers yeah. and uh, 20 yards of mm -hmm. no one else, that's really, really difficult to make an open field Super tackle. Tough. So, yeah, Super yeah tough. You, it doesn't look good when you miss that open field tackle, but also like something else is breaking down other than just that one player because that's it, it's inexcusable and uh, i have to imagine that every team's going to see that moving forward and yep. try to get that on you there was some good news this morning on kareem jackson let's get to that after i tell you about our friends over at breckenridge brewery we've got some broncos country pale ale on set right now you're going to want some through the good times, through the bad, but certainly on game days, you're going to want some Breckenridge Brewery, and you're going to have to check out their lineup this week because Broncos playing at 11 a.m. You can start with a little beer mosa. I think some orange juice in those Broncos country pale ales will go pretty darn nice. Maybe start with something a little fruity if you want, but you can get it all over at breckbrew.com, the official beer of DNVR. You can find their beer locator to find out exactly where to get all of Breckenridge beer over at breckbrew.com and while the sun is out if you want to protect your eyes or if you want to hide your tears during these <laughs> losses check out our friends over at shady rays using the code dmvr for 50 percent off you can take on the sun with gear that is built to last our friends at shady rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price and the great thing about shady rays is you know if you buy two or more you get 50 percent off but also um they have the best protection policy ever. If you break them, if you lose them, um, even on the day you buy them, you can bring them back, no questions asked. They'll get you a new pair. You can wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back for long after you purchase them. Once again, check out, check out our friends over at Shady Rays using code DNVR for 50% off. So some good news about Kareem Jackson coming in from Jeremy Fowler. While the NFL is still looking into Kareem Jackson's hit and what exactly to do, he's not expected to be suspended for that hit. And I got to say, I'm surprised. I'm surprised by this because week one, he had a hit, which he was fined for. He's certainly going to be fined for this hit. He was ejected to. I just thought that the NFL was going to send a message to, to him and to the rest of the league about these hits. Um, so I think it's uh, really good for the Broncos too. Though. I'm surprised, but I think it's really good because you look at this next team they're going to play, mm -hmm. the Dolphins, 
You're going to need all the safeties you can have. Yep. And Kareem Jackson, someone you really need. So in terms of this next game, this is huge news for the Broncos, in my opinion. Yeah, he's an important piece of mm -hmm. that uh, that Broncos defense. You can see um, what kind of holes his absence really created. So we need him. Um, it sucks. I think that he was trying to lead with his shoulder, which mm -hmm. I know is what they have taught us over the years. Don't lead with your head. And I think he's it's at the goal line. This is four touchdown. He's trying to break up the ball. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens that the ball is at eye level when he launches himself. And by the time he gets there, he pulls it down. So all he hits exactly. is all helmet. So I don't think he was trying to be intentional, yeah. lead like a, a bad player. So mm -hmm. I think the league knows that. But he is super important, especially yeah. this week. You talked about it. Um, we're going to need some help deep. For sure. Yep. And I think it's a play you have to try to make. Like, if it's fourth down, ball's in the end zone, like, tight end catches the ball up here and tries to bring it down, you got to do what you can to knock that ball out, especially because the, the penalty is just so small. Like, it's either 15 yards on a kickoff, or what they did is they moved it up to the one-yard line, converted the two-point conversion. It, it reminds me of, like, the Keeb Tlaib, like, face mask at the goal line in the Super Bowl, um, where it's like, wow, that was a really dirty play where he just grabbed his head stops him from going into the end zone and it's like well the penalty is only one yard so it's actually like a super heads up play like it makes a lot of sense the other thing with kareem is that he got kicked out of the game and so there's your real penalty because mm -hmm. that's i mean that's one of their best defensive players i think week one he now nah, he alex was probably the best but he's right up there like he is playing great football it's just a shame he wasn't out there i mean that that's probably why he's not being suspended is because he was ejected from the game and the nfl saying mm -hmm. uh that was his punishment but i couldn't disagree more henry huh. um the two penalties didn't cost the broncos the game but it and the first penalty that he had um against the raiders that ended the game now broncos i'm not saying they win if he doesn't commit that penalty but that gives the raiders the first down keeps the clock going broncos aren't able to get off the field that's a huge penalty um mm -hmm. you can't do that not a dirty play by mm -hmm. any means but you just you can't do that mm -hmm. um and then this one yeah it ended up being a one yard penalty but if he drops that ball and it's not a touchdown it's a massive penalty. It's first and goal from well, the one then. But if he drops the ball, then it's probably like the ball's probably down there. Like he probably knocks the ball out if it's if but like it's probably not a penalty if he knocks the ball out. it's it's a huge penalty because if he drops it and let's say let's say he didn't go high and he drops it somehow else and there's no penalty, then it's the Broncos ball. And exactly. that's eight points off of the board. That's if he doesn't make that hit. Kareem just for me, the yeah. big big issue is that hit was he went high. Uh -huh. And uh, um, I think you're, there was no dirty intent uh, in there. That's just how Kareem plays. But I think he's got to change that way, especially in the next few weeks, because I do think one more of these, and he will be suspended. Uh -huh. and we're talking about how important he is. You don't have Caden Stearns. DTY got hurt in the game, too. You were down to one safety, one true safety in that game. You had to take your nickel cornerback, Sang Bassey, and put him back at, at safety. Kareem just has to, I think, has to... to take a step back from the hard hits, which is so tough because that's his game. That's it what makes him so game. good. Yeah. Yep. But I just think one more in the next couple of weeks and he's going to be suspended. And that's really going to hurt the team. Yeah, we definitely can't have any more. Um, and I think you're saying like, you know, the risk to reward just isn't there right. for those massive collisions. And uh, last week it was like the lowest of the low he could go trying yep. to make the tackle. And then, then he went high. Like <laughs> yep. it's just, um, you know, a bad situation. Him trying to make plays. He's trying to do what he can to help the defense, um, but it ends up hurting them. So he may have to take a step back and maybe play a little bit slower. Um, but it's so, it's the game is so fast paced. Exactly. And especially when you're talking about, it was what, third down and he was going for the first fourth. down, a fourth down going for the first down. Like, you think I gotta stop him here. Like, and then in the goal line, you're like, right. I can't let him catch this ball. Like, I understand his mindset, but I do think he may have to slow down a little bit to be able to make the best plays for the team. Yeah, yep. yeah. All right, let's, speaking of the best plays for the team, let's look at some plays All and right. get the inside scoop mm -hmm. with Todd Davis. I knew that this was going to be an awesome segment, and last week it absolutely blew it out of the water. I cannot wait to see Todd break down some of the key moments of this Broncos game. So, Todd, let's jump in let's and get it. the inside scoop on the pivotal plays in this game. As you hear's pulling it up here. I think we've got mm. six plays here. And so, Todd, tell us about this first play. Where are we starting my, here? I don't have my pen right now. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah, here, we're going to need the pen. Get it right. <laughs> All right, cool. Okay, so what are we looking at here, All Todd? Right, this is third and four. 
Um, this is the first period of the game, 11 minutes left on the clock. Thank you, right here. And this is what I want to talk about with rushing coverage, how well it can work together when the Broncos are playing good. So you have a two-by-two two formation right here. You're going to see tight coverage, a body on a body. Everybody's lined up, everybody's tight, and what it does is it allow the rush to work. And I think that's what was happening towards the end of the game is that there were so many open players down the field. Everybody's playing outside leverage. Man, you got a whole player in the middle to help on any route, which is Alex Singleton. And this working together, if you can see it, everybody puts a body on a body. Everybody's yeah. covered. Everybody's, and this is what allows Randy, Randy Gregory to come around and get a sack. He has a good rush initially, but it's more a coverage sack. Yeah. He's blocked initially right here. But as the play goes on, this is such great coverage by the defense that it allows Randy Gregory to keep running the edge. It, make, it forces Sam Howe to come out of the pocket because nobody is open. Everybody's lined up. And this is what we call a coverage sack. This is when the Broncos are playing at their best, when they're allowing the rush and coverage to work together. And that's why they look so good in the beginning of the game, because they were able to put this together well to allow Randy Gregory more time and Jonathan Cooper and Nick Benito. They had time to get to the pass rush because it wasn't so many open, open routes downfield starting early. All right, this is, this is another, another play. This is the first touchdown for McLaughlin. This is second and two. Um, and I just like this play a lot because it is perfectly blocked up. You see a hat on a hat with every offensive lineman. You see a great pull by Bowles to come and get a block. Cortland, Cortland Sutton, my bad, Bowles, Bowles is coming out here. Cortland Sutton gets a hat on a hat. Blocked by Bowles, block, block. This is mm. perfect blocking. This is exactly how you design the play. And I think that, yes, we want McLaughlin to get in, but I think uh, Javante scores here, Samaje yeah. scores here. I don't think you can stop anybody on a hole like this. Look at this. Would I score? <laughs> no, this not this, oh, okay. this tackle. This is TFL. <laughs> no, nah, you would get in there, my man, for sure. This is just perfect blocking, and I think if the Broncos mm. can can continue. You talked about the offensive line coming out firing. They came out firing to start the game. Yes, they did. I don't know what happened at halftime that changed the round, but this is great blocking by the O-line. Hat on a hat. Everybody's blocked up. That allows for McLaughlin to get his first TD of his NFL career, and it did look spectacular. And uh, one of the things that we know this offensive line is, is athletic. From Garrett Bowles, yeah. Mike McGlinchey, both sides, these guys can move, and clearly they showed it on this play. And what, 90 95% of untouched touchdowns yep. are because of blocking exactly like it, he was untouched so you're right any running back could have got that yeah it was a great job blocking by the offensive line and a great scheme and that's where we go back to if you execute the play well like right here Garrett Bowles could have easily missed this block yeah or got a holding penalty for you know pulling the guy around or Cortland misses this block that's just bad execution now we're talking about a tackle and they don't get the touchdown but it wasn't a bad play call right. you know what I'm saying right, right. yep Mm -hmm. So this right here is my man Rush. You got two by two formation. We call it slot. You got the tight ends downhill. You got the two wide receivers and Jerry Judy and Cortland up top. Broncos up 21 to 13. They have the ball in the commander's 45 yard line. I mean, it feels like the game's already over, but you can really end it. Exactly. I think you go up with a score here, 28 to three. I think you really put them away. You put that nail in the coffin. But unfortunately, uh, the Broncos aren't able to do that. And this is what I wanted to talk about as far as the momentum shift of the game. I think this was the game-changing yep. play right here. Um, you see a body on a body here. They're playing good defense, and Russ doesn't feel like he has time. The off the offensive line is giving up a key block in the middle right here. I mm. think that is – who is that? Can't see who that is, but Chase Young. Chase Young coming up the middle, which forces Russ to scramble. And what Russ should do right here when there is nowhere to go with the football, you got guys in pursuit – Throw this ball away. Yes. Live to play another day. You don't have to make a spectacular play here. But unfortunately, this is where he commits the fumble on the ball. And I think this is where um, the commanders get all their momentum. This is where the game changes. They go down here and they score uh, seven points, actually eight points, because they get the two-point conversion. This is the game-changing play that changes all the momentum when it really could be avoided just by simply throwing the ball away, living to play another day. Todd, I'm so happy that you brought up this play because there's so many things with this play. But the first one, I was I was screaming at, my, at, at myself, saying, why didn't he throw the ball away? Mm -hmm. Because there's, there's zero reward for not throwing it away. He was going to get a one-yard sack. I mean, that's what he got, one or two-yard sack. Yep. So it's not like he was going to run for even a yard. Just throw the ball away. Live to see another down. And one of the things that Sean talked about, he said the number one thing we talked about this week in terms of the key to win this game, 
is not turning the ball over. He said last year, every single one of the Commanders' victories, they had at least one takeaway. Yep. All of their losses, mm -hmm. they did not get a takeaway. Now, that's a pretty basic thing for most teams, but especially with certain teams like the Commanders, that's something you can't do. So Russ can't put the ball in harm's way. And when it's Russ going up against any defensive lineman, any quarterback going up against any defensive lineman outside of like Josh Allen, mm -hmm. you are going to be putting the ball in harm's way. For sure. If it's like an easy sack and you're kind of running and the ball's going to be out anyways. And then even one more thing to this play. One thing we haven't talked about when talking about the blame game, who's most to blame? The refs were bad yeah. in this game. There's no doubt about it. I don't think they're the reason the Broncos blew a 21 to 3 uh, lead. But right see the here, face mask right yeah, there. Yep, you can even yep. see it on this copy. Uh blown face mask call here. Should have been Broncos ball, 15-yard penalty. They should have been in field goal range at least, but um yeah, the, I mean the refs blew this call on top of the PI at the end of the game. Yeah, I think it's just a better play if he throws us away. Um and you know, granted to Give hat, give. I want to give a shout out to their defense. I mean, they definitely played a good play this play, and nobody was open. But that doesn't mean you have to take the sack or try to press to do too much. Um, and then we want to talk about the defensive side of the ball. These, this is first and ten. I think we're in the third quarter. I can't see towards the bottom. Yeah, third quarter, minute and twenty second left, and this is where it continues to unravel. Like I said, what we lost in, what we gained in pass rush this week, we lost in run coverage. And I think mm -hmm. that. This play right here is a prime example of, uh, I think it's Robinson turning this, which should be a tackle, into a long run. He's able to break one, two, three. I think Josie gets bumped out right here. So he skates he skates free, but this is all on tackling and just not coming up and, and stopping the run. He makes too many guys miss. There's another missed tackle right here, and then he's able to bounce to the outside. And then, oh, I go backwards. And it's now he's having Pat Sertan tackle him. We talked about it. If your corners and safeties have to tackle downfield, I think you're having a bad game and you're allowing people to mm -hmm. run all over you. And that's exactly what was happening is that we started missing plays in the run game, which allowed them to kind of scheme us up more. We started having the blitz to affect the pass. And that's when they started throwing in screens. We, we weren't working well together. And I think that's what really um, hurt us in the end. Todd, that was a play from the third quarter. In the third quarter, the Commanders ran the ball seven times for 65 yards, 9.3 yards per average. Yeah, they were running all over us in that third quarter. Uh, we couldn't – We and the thing about it is it was so many missed tackles. It wasn't just wide open holes. Guys were missing tackles um, in the hole, outside the hole, in space. Um, and I think that's – if you want to play a good brand of football, tackling has to be key. This, this one right here is fourth – Fourth quarter, 10 minutes and 17 seconds left, second and eight. We talked about the scream game. I don't know how being in me knew so well what uh, Vance Joseph was trying to run here, but he could tell that this was going to be a blitz. Mm. You're going to have everybody blitz on this play. And what it looks like is a great sack yeah. coming, ends up being a huge play. Uh, you can't see the other side mm -hmm. of this, but there's nobody out here. One, two, three, four, five, six. We have six guys here on the quarterback. We have two guys out blocking, and the rest of everybody else besides Justin Simmons is man-to-man. -man. This is zero mm -hmm. coverage. And so now you have these two big bodies against who are two little bodies as far as DBs. And luckily, this is not a touchdown, but mm -hmm. we lost so many big plays to screens just because they were called at the right time. Mm -hmm. I think we have to do a better job of – scheming this up and really when you have an all-out blitz somebody is responsible for this running back yep. mm -hmm. they basically say like if you're blitzing we're building an all-out blitz if the running back comes through your hole you got to grab him because nobody else is responsible for him so this is on one of the d linemen that needs to make a play mm -hmm. and just put hands on him just don't let him get out free and that's how we avoid this long screen and something that's just so apparent in this game uh, Vance Joseph, Eric Bieniemy, two friends mm -hmm. going back to college, going up against each other. EB was was great in this game. And also, I mean, just you look at that screen. A lot of times, screens are really easy to diagnose, like you know, right away, especially exactly. from from sitting up on top in the press box. You can tell that one you couldn't. Yep. I mean, what they they uh, executed and called that perfectly. They definitely did. Last play. This is the hail mary, man. You got two by two. And the Broncos actually did a great job of uh, running this Hail Mary. So as the play 
progresses, what they want to do is they're going to have their best pass catcher up front, which is Cortland. He's going to be the first person to try to get his hands on the ball. And Brandon Johnson is exactly where he needs to be. They have him go down there for the tip balls. He's not actually trying to catch this. They wanted to go to Cortland, have him fall in the end zone. But if he doesn't catch it, it is exact. Brandon Johnson is exactly where he needs to be. And that's what leads to this great two-handed bobbled catch um, because he's in the right position. And this is just going to show you like even on crazy plays like a Hail Mary where you're throwing it up if guys are in the right position if they were they're told to be to execute the play he he did exactly what he was supposed to be on the goal line yeah. and he's looking for the tip ball he's not jumping to catch it because it's not his ball it's not his play to make look for the tip that's what they're telling him and this is just when a great play is executed this is the result you're going to get and so I love to talk about guys not making not doing their uh or bad coaching but we also have to talk about guys not executing this is a well-executed play and we saw a lot of plays that weren't well executed man it's called the hell mary because you're throwing up a prayer yep. and it's incredible it's such a bummer that like this prayer didn't come out to actually like at the end uh, turn into a win because you're not yep. going to get too many of these breaks <sighs> go your way but this is todd i'm so happy you broke this one down because Hell Marys aren't just like, okay, everyone gathered together and let's hope someone comes down with it. There was uh -huh. strategy involved and it worked. Yeah, it, it did work. It well, did we've work. had a chance. I guess there was one practice in particular that we haven't brought up, but basically we got to hear how Sean coaches all those things. Wish I could tell you guys more, but it's pretty incredible to listen to. I think we kind of saw it. We saw some of it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they've got like tweaks and all that sort of stuff they yeah. can get to too. Yeah, 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 we did. Man, Todd, another awesome breakdown. One of my favorite segments of the week. That mm -hmm. is so cool to see how um, the Broncos did some things well, but also could be better. The Broncos are going to have to be better this week playing the 2-0 Miami Dolphins. And if you want to bet on this game, Broncos within a touchdown on the road over at DraftKings Sportsbook right now. Six and a half is what the Broncos are underdogs by 11 a.m. game in Miami playing the 2-0 Dolphins. So many storylines here. Vic Fangio, Bradley Chubb, Mike McDaniel, who's from Colorado. We're going to break it all down. But if you want to get in on that early line, you think the Broncos are going to stay within six and a half points, you think the Dolphins are going to beat them by more than a touchdown, you can get that over at DraftKings Sportsbook. And they're going to give you $200 in bonus bets instantly. If you place a $5 bet over at DraftKings Sportsbook, that's all you have to do. What a great way to get involved in the NFL and with DraftKings than by placing $5 bet on any NFL game, and you're going to get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Place a game, place a bet on tonight's game, $5, and you're going to get $200 in bonus bets. So check them out over at DraftKings Sportsbook. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. In Connecticut, help is available for gamble for problems gambling 888-789-7777 visit ccpg.org please play responsibly on behalf of boot hill casino and resort in kansas licensee partner golden nugget lake charles los angeles or louisiana 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in ontario see sportsbook.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsibly gambling restrictions Bonus bets expire seven days after you, after issuance. Eligibility and restrictions apply. And use that code DNVR over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Yeah, and uh, go sign up for Volo, too, because um, it's a lot of fun to go play sports. You can play cornhole. You can play darts. You can play volleyball. You can play soccer. Oh, I wonder if they, I don't know if they have hockey. I don't think they do. So there's one thing that they don't have, but they have just about everything they else. Field hockey or something. Oh, I bet they do. Yeah. They've got like 30 or 40 different store, uh, sports. They've got leagues that happen all around the city. So even if you're way out of town, there's actually probably something pretty close to you. And right now, if you use the code DNVR10, then you can get $10 off when you sign up. Um, the best way to do it is probably to get their monthly pass, which is $20 a month or $200 per year. It's unlimited pickups, drop-ins, and tournaments. And uh, like I said, use the code DMVR10 for $10 off at www.volosports.com slash Denver. Let's dish out our DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week really quick because I'm going to tonight's game and we have this weird doubleheader tonight, but it's not a real doubleheader for Monday Night Football. It's like one game starts at 5.15, the other game at 6.15. I believe one's on like ABC and ESPN, the other's on ESPN2. <laughs> But I just like taking the favorites and parlaying them together. So I'm going to take the Saints to win straight up and the Browns to win straight up. You get plus 186 odds. I like that. I think the Browns are the better team than the Steelers, and the Saints should be able to take care uh, of a Panthers team that's young and really banged up. 
You know, and I'm going to take uh, the New York Giants against the 49ers. Ooh. I know they're plus 10 and a half. They went scoreless for the first six quarters of their season. <laughs> yeah. But they scored 14 points in the third quarter last week, 70 points in the fourth quarter. Something clicked. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but something clicked. So I don't see them losing by 10 and a half, maybe nine. Um, so I'm taking the spread on that one. Yep. I like that. I, uh, I'm torn between two. So I'm going to parlay them. Oh, there we uh, go. First, buffs on Saturday, plus 800 against Oregon. Oh, you're doing money line. Yeah. I can't believe eight to one odds on the buffs win that game. Like the buffs are good. Like I understand why Oregon would be favored just because like the trenches, that sort of thing. Eight to one, though, blows my mind. And on then also the Broncos, like plus 230. I, they haven't been far off from winning either of these games. Like, they, I know they shouldn't be favored, but I do think that they should be a lot closer, and I like the plus 230. What are those odds if you're parlaying them? Uh, plus 2,700. Plus 2,700. <laughs> yep, $10 I love bet, it. you get 287 Woo! bucks. I love it. I yep. love it. So that's our DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week. Let's hop into the comment section and talk to the people. Uh, we got a lot of super chats coming in. Chris Peters says, my blame pie goes 35% to Russ, 35% to the defense, and 30 percent to coaching spreading out the blame there mm -hmm. okay. spreading it around <laughs> yeah <laughs> no problem with the special teams um hey that's the only problem that sean didn't have an issue with last night either uh -huh. he said the offense was bad the defense was bad he harped on both throughout his press conference and then just threw in like yeah actually the kicking game was good yeah maybe it's because he had to give some love to will lutz after maybe week one was more so on will lutz than anyone else yes for sure next one from elliot says will we make changes to our secondary at all no. I don't. What changes can you make? I Bradley guess Moss. Bradley Moss instead yep. of uh, Damari. Damari Mathis. I guess you could do that, but Bradley Moss was inactive yesterday. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's because he's bad. I think it's because he's young and yeah. still needs more time. But he was a healthy scratch. That shows that he's not like a play away from becoming the starter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's going to take more time, and he's young. Um, and they, I feel like they still trust Damari more. I know he's not having the best first two games mm -hmm. Um, but last year, he really bounced back. And even in camp, he looked pretty promising. Um, everybody I always see, I feel like you guys always want the young guys to play. Like, the young <laughs> guys are the best. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I think they have their best chance of winning out there right now. So I don't know who we will kind of change up or bring in um, to make the situation better. So you talk about young guys. Does Drew Sanders need more playing time? Week one, zero plays on defense. Week two, four plays. Had a sack that was negated by uh, a penalty should he see more or are the broncos okay there well the last week i said no because the broncos look pretty solid overall but now i feel like the run game is kind of lacking so we may need mm -hmm. to do some things to uh show up our run and screen um defense mm -hmm. so maybe he would we would benefit for ha to having him on the field a little bit more i think the tough part though is that you know when they're missing assignments and like not reading the screen I'm not sure a rookie helps with that stuff. Like, because again, you're probably taking Josie or Alex off the field. I still like their chances better. I do like that they used him in those rush packages. And it was, he, he had the one good play. And it was kind of because of the, it was more of a coverage sack than anything. But it it's nice to give him some reps there. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think our lack of depth at DB, if we can run more cover two, cover three, and just leave him in a hook or a curl like yeah. you can have three linebackers out there and do that and still cover effectively especially with somebody who's a good coverage linebacker maybe he's able to get yeah. his hands on a wide receiver disrupt them or play a little bit more cover too that's what that's what the cardinals did with vance joseph and isaiah simmons last year mm -hmm. move him to the slot sort of yeah yep. play that college position like the star backer yeah that might Cardinals be a lot to put it. it. That might be a lot to put on <laughs> Drew Sanders in one week, but I would like to see playmakers yeah. on the field more. Greg S says my optimism might be forced because I'll be in Miami, but our offense looks good. Javante looks healthy. Our defense is still the same defense. Just had a lot of missed tackles. Lower expectations. Vance's pass rush needs work. Todd, what's the key to getting the pass rush? going consistently because three sacks in the first three drives and then it really fell off yeah you got to be able to stop the run if you don't stop mm -hmm. the run then you can never convert to pass um guys and teams are going to continue to run the ball it was working for them successfully so we have to be able to have a lead which we did which is why we had more sacks yep. in this game but then when teams decide to run the ball we have to be able to stop them so that we can have creative pass rush games um I don't really see too many games. I see blitzes mm -hmm. from like the linebackers or a safety, but there's not really like exits, uh, which is like the end and, and the uh, outside linebacker twisting or stunts between the interior line. There's not many stunts. There's more mm -hmm. try to win your one-on-one, -on -one, 
and we're gonna have somebody blitz, maybe they should work more stunts between mm. outside linebackers, DNs to be able to make things happen. Yeah, maybe that'll get Zach Allen a little more involved. Too. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Mile High Singh, we got to get through these really quick. Per my, uh, MHR, Russ is projected to have 4,122 yards, 42 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and 485 rushing yards. If this is accurate, Russ is not the problem. Def is the pro defense is the problem and has to be better. That's I, why we can't just be giving out stats. It's not just touchdown interception ratio. I, I, and I was going to say, and that's why yep. if you look at the 17 points week one that the Broncos gave up, oh, the defense was great. The offense uh -huh. was awful, only scoring 16 points. You look at some more advanced stats, maybe that wasn't fully the case. Um, and then yesterday, again, Broncos put up 33 points on the surface. Oh, my gosh, that's incredible. You go two quarters mm -hmm. of nothing with two turnovers, mm -hmm. that's not acceptable. Yeah, I think Onus does have to be placed on the defense a little bit. Um, but Russ's, I think, two turn turnovers really changed the momentum of the game. Yep. And that's not to say the defense can't come up with a stop there. Like, there's yep. nothing wrong with, you know, Russ messing up and having one interception. Like, the defense can go and get a three and out or get the ball back. Um, and I didn't see them stop at any time. But once again, kind of went back to Russ, you know, his turnovers kind of changed the momentum of the game. But he is playing well for the most part. Yeah. Um, I do like this side of us that I'm seeing. Um, it, it just got to work together. It got to work together. Offense has to play good, and defense has to play good as well. Yeah. Himothy says, I just think back to the PHNX guys telling us about Vance Joseph not playing rookies, and it looks like they were right. I think Drew should be out there. I'm curious to see, does Drew have four plays again next week, or mm -hmm. does that jump up? to 10 plays because Vance did increase it, although four plays, but he did increase it from week one to week two. So I'm curious to see how that goes there. I'd guess it's still just that rush package. Mm -hmm. So as often as they're playing that like double A gap type game, then throw throw him in there. But it'll just depend on whether they're winning or not. And I guess with the Dolphins, just because of the way they play, you might be able to get out there even more just because there's going to be so much shotgun. They want to go deep. Right. I'm not, I'm not sure how that plays out, but there's... I'd, I'd expect you see more pass rushes or more of that package. Fair. And last question coming in from Chop says, a big problem is Vance Joseph. We need a new defensive coordinator. Um, certainly there's things on offense, defense, special teams, coaching personnel that need to be better, yeah. a, a lot better. Probably mm -hmm. every single thing I just mentioned needs to be better. But in week two, they're not thinking of making any changes in yeah. terms of like cutting guys in terms of firing guys. Um, if things continue to go this way, then those mm -hmm. conversations, unfortunately, will pop up if mm -hmm. you're one in nine through 10 games, like yep. a nightmare situation. But right now, they're not there yet. Um, Sean Payton, like I've had no problem putting a lot of blame on him. Just because he struggled the first two weeks doesn't mean that he's done and mm -hmm. doomed. I still think he's going to turn it around. So if you're giving that to Sean... I think Vance also deserves a little bit of a, of a leash to say, let's see if he can turn it around. And we certainly will be here to see if it turns around or not. And we didn't talk all too much about Russ because we've saving that for tomorrow. There's a very interesting dynamic going on right now between Russ and Sean Payton. We're going to dive into that with our guy Jimmy Palm Trees tomorrow. So stay tuned to the pod. We'll be going live at 11 a.m. tomorrow. Thank you so much for rolling with us. Have a great Monday. Enjoy doubleheader of Monday Night Football. We'll see you. I'll take